Clarita here, and I've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. If you want to release your music into the world, DistroKid's the easiest way to get your music into all the major streaming platforms, unlimited uploads, and keep 100% of your royalties. And because you're a Design Freaks listener, you get 30% off. Go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash Design Freaks. DistroKid. Yourself connected. <laughs> Writing on the wall. This is a podcast, Design Freaks, about music related design for weirdos and nerds like you and me <laughs> and goth socialist graphic freaks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> My guest today, that's annoying. My guest today is an artist, musician, Professional sweetie pie. <laughs> I'm very professional uh, at that. Angel. Olsen. Mod. <laughs> what? <laughs> I said Olsen. Angel Olsen. You are the third Olsen twin. Wait, is that, is that possible? <laughs> it is now. So you're, I wanted to do a death episode and of course you came to mind. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I don't know. Probably because I know you've done DMT, if you don't mind me of course. saying so. Yes, definitely. I hope this recording works because I like it so far. Yeah. We're having and, some... and we can punch in too, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. We can always like go back and... We can go back. We can go back. Um, we were having tech diffs, um, but I think we figured it out. Um, and anyways, the death episode is happening because... It's the end of 2019, and for the first time, I'm actually seeing people on social media not complaining. I'm seeing people talk about how good their year was, which, I don't know, maybe I have better friends now, but I I remember the last few years were a real bummer. The last couple of years were really rough. For a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Or I know also <laughs> a lot of people had a real shit half, mm-hmm. first half of 2019, yeah. and then the second half like was much better Mm -hmm. and i guess i'm kind of included with that but i didn't really think about it well my years are always both right same with me like so yeah my life is a roller coaster constantly (laughs) um not a bad thing but uh yeah so the death of 2019 and then sadly um von oliver passed who was the graphic designer for 4ad records Oh. Um, Baba Ramdas passed, um, author of Be Here Meow. 
don't joke Seminole about Ram classic. Da- Actually, Ram Dass would like if I joked about him, so it's fine. I got some shit-talking stories about Ram Dass. Ooh, let's talk about that. <laughs> let's talk about that. That shit. <laughs> so, okay, so apparently my friend Kelly used to, like, mow his lawn. Whoa, really? Like, yeah, like on a couple occasions. Metaphorically or? No, like actually like did, I think, housework for him. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. when, didn't he live in Colorado at one point, I think? I think so. Yeah, I want to say that was around the time of like when he was hanging out with Timothy Leary mm-hmm. and some of those cats too. Because I think they were even hanging out, like I think him and Leary and even um, fucking, what's his name, Scientology, L. Ron Hubbard. What? Apparently they were buddies. Whoa. Which is weird to me. Like they, It sounds like the beginning of walked into a bar joke. Right? Yeah. No, totally. And of course, this is like what my friend told me, so I don't know how much of this is true. But she <laughs> said that like she would mow his lawn and that he was like an utter dick to her. Whoa. And I think this was like post the success of, of Be Here Now and, and all huh. that such. And it's just like, it's always interesting to me like when people laud people like that yeah or just like when people really take a liking to a cultural figure yes and, yes and kind of make them up more than human more than human yeah i watched mm-hmm. that documentary on bikram Ooh, good example yeah. yes mm-hmm. like in perfect example of someone who's using his power especially for sexual manipulation of others and for taking sure. advantage of others and so i'm like but that being said i mean Doss did have teachings that resonated with people. And when I found Be Here Now in a library in, I think, um, Fairhaven uh, near Bellingham, I think I like I think I needed those words and those images at that time. Yeah, for sure. So and people can be vessels for, you know, if you believe that the mind is a receiver and maybe he's a vessel for truth. Of some in some way, I, his words have helped me tremendously a number of times. Right, and uh, and, he, and people change too. I mean, yeah. As much as like those principles were a part of who he was mm-hmm. at some point, like that can change, mm-hmm. or or like the way that people perceive mm-hmm. those notions. Yeah, time. Yeah, culture changes. For yeah, sure. right. Um. So, <clears throat> R.I.P. To those two, anybody who else died this year? Let's Probably talk lots about of people. Death. Actually, um, a local uh, musician just, I think, passed. Elijah, really sweet. I, let's have yeah, a little let's toast have a cheers. for Elijah. To Elijah, Aww. cheers, buddy. Cheers. So when this yeah. episode drops, um, it's going to be the new year, but I thought it'd be. Great to do a postmortem on 2019, mm-hmm. um, even if this comes out and everyone's like, new, 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 2020. I want to talk about that too, but I think it's important to to Address. have that. Yeah, the yeah. mental um, passage. Yeah, yep. Through time, um, definitely. Anyways, but yeah, so what, postmortem 2019. The so things what, that have come to pass? Yeah, what has come to pass? What do we want to talk about? <laughs> I feel like. The I feel like the thing that I've noticed the most, and and again, like there's strange, like I don't. A lot of times I I have issue with like 
the notion of being made anew in a new year. It's like, to me, the passage of time is all the same. It's all yeah. existing within one space. Right. It's Mickey Mouse to think that, like, it's, that there's, like, this distance. Yeah. Be- between time. Um, you don't feel super old when you, when it's your birthday. No. <laughs> you wake up and you're like, yeah. No, I'm I'm actually more grateful. <laughs> I'm more grateful the older I get and especially well and as, as as far as death goes. Um I mean technically like one of my anniversaries is is it April 1st? Actually I think it was <laughs> as goofy as being uh, April Fools Day, but when I was living in Ashland, mm-hmm. April 1st like I think that was like literally one of the days that I uh heard the term zen sickness. From this... I was right now years old when I heard that for the first time. You were what? Right now years right old. Now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what does that mean? Explain to our Zen sickness. Uh, Zen sickness is, as far as I can gather, it's it's kind of like plateauing. Mm. It's it's being so resolved within yourself that you're basically choosing not to grow and you're mm-hmm. shutting down. I felt like at that point I had accomplished all that I had wanted and needed to in this life. Mm. And and so I was having suicidal ideation. I yeah. I was even starting to plan out where I could do it and when and wow. and so April 1st uh 2016 was like when I was reborn and and took on a new mentality of of just trying and growing and and not being tied to the self that I think I'm supposed to be or who I used to be. Oh, okay. Allowing yourself to grow and change and become anew mm-hmm. within different ways. Mm-hmm. And to let go mm. of of the worry that can come with feeling like you are supposed to be somebody that you may not end up being anymore. Mm-hmm. And how does one deal with that? And so... So I moved on and I moved back to Seattle. And so since then, I've had a much better life that I've given myself than I would have had otherwise. Do you think that that death was like your cave moment? Like the darkness of Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, and the the universe was showing me places where I could do it. Mm -hmm. That's what freaked me out the most. It was like the universe was like, oh, well, if this is what you want. And this is what you see, mm-hmm. then here's some opportunities. What do you think? And it scared me. And that leads me back to you said let go, and it leads me back to Buddhism mm-hmm. and the teachings mm-hmm. of Ramdas because yeah. obviously the largest Buddhist precept is all suffering comes from clinging, holding on. Uh, yeah. Yep. So you got yep. your nostalgia. You got your breakups. It's all all the suffering, yeah. pretty much. Toxicity, like yeah. I mean, yeah. Just letting go and, um, I don't know, easier said than done, though. True. <laughs> well, and that's why it's like, a, a, again, with Buddhism or the reinforcement of just meditation itself, mm-hmm. that anything in your life can become a meditation, especially if you're confronted with a narrative. Like, actually, the last couple of days, I was confronted with a narrative in my mind that was very negative and just like looking for a way out Mm -hmm. and so if you can actually discern those voices oh yeah label it no yeah and know that 
that that is like a narrative that's trying to take the driver's seat mm-hmm. then be like no like you don't have a place here you can't yeah. stay you have to like, separate yourself from yeah, that from yourself like be aware of it call it something name it something yeah create that little tiny sliver of space between you and that voice and, and it others. won't and it won't drive you as much right yeah. um well thank you for sharing that that's deeply personal um but and... but i've learned like the best way for me to move on from it was to make it impersonal mm. to make it something that was not difficult or um arresting to mm-hmm. even talk about because mm-hmm. I also knew that if I wasn't able to find a way to talk about it or to share these mm-hmm. notions, they can consume you mm. even still, like even further than the the depth or the cave that you were finding yourself in. Like Whoa. you have to find ways to express it and you have to yes, find, and I you, agree. you kind of like, I, I did kind of like thrust upon a lot of notions with people about DMT and that's actually what, made me feel so alone um a couple of years before i was super depressed in 2016 mm-hmm. was feeling like i had no one i could relate to because the experiences i had on dmt were so immense that i did experience ego death or like what the idea of Whoa. like seeing yourself die or seeing your ego die where mm-hmm. you where you dematerialize into the ether of everything. And right. you know and you feel that. You mm-hmm. you watch yourself lose yourself and right. become abstract shapes, giant, weird, fractaline structures in the void. And so how do you relate that to anybody who doesn't have a frame of reference other than trying to find other people who have had similar experiences? Well, isn't that then what death probably is? Is just letting go of that ego for once yeah, and for all. That's and that's that's like what the notion always struck me as. Mm-hmm. But now there's like no discerning for me, like waking states, unconscious states. That's why I'm still super fascinated with dreams. Yeah, and the functionality of of other consciousness. But that's still a function of our neurological, physical brain. Right. right. So right. our brain but needs to... It needs stimulus. It needs to do that. Yeah. But what I'm saying is death could be the release of all of that physicality. But then how do you even quantify yeah, that you notion? Yeah, you can't. Right. And so <laughs> DMT is like one of the first things that like allowed my imagination to run rampant with that. Ooh. Yeah. But... But then what's really interesting to me that I hear a lot from people regarding DMT is people don't allow themselves to break through. They resist it. They they know that that they could dive in more, but mm-hmm. they're afraid to. And but for me at that time, I wanted to dive in. Right. And so almost almost every time that I've I've experienced DMT, I do have a, a sensation of dying. And mm-hmm. becoming other forms, wow! In other spaces, yeah. I was gonna market or not market, but like, ugh, I don't know. Just kind of do an episode where I do DMT on the podcast, but I realized it would just be silence, <laughs> not <laughs> the sound of my breathing. <laughs> not necessarily. Like, actually, um, one of the most recent times that I when I did when I smoked DMT earlier this year on my birthday. Actually, it was the day after, and it was my parents' fortieth. Uh, wedding anniversary well and at their party 
my and actually my mom asked me right after I did it if if my dad should try it and I immediately came back because like I came back to her with this notion that like I feel like doing hallucinogenics really helps people who are actually afraid of death Mm -hmm. to confront their fears and to let go Mm -hmm. and our family we talk about death like it's no problem and we've never had an issue. Mm-hmm. It's the fact of life. Yeah. There's really interesting cultural comparisons as to why we take things so fucking seriously. Yeah. I think Western culture has a real mental block on it, death. It yeah. Has, yeah. It, like a block, like whatever you call it, like a resistance mm-hmm. to to accept it's- with knowing that the lights are going to go out. But dealing with being point. a human being. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, like, yeah. And, and knowing that you're going to have to let go of this at some point. Mm-hmm. I think that's like, I don't know, like, and again, circling back, that's like what is so beneficial and what people could like learn from mm-hmm. teachings of Ram Dass or, mm-hmm. or doing more meditation. Mm-hmm. Do it. I mean, I did yoga actually, like for one of the very first times fairly recently. Mm-hmm. And I loved how challenging it was mentally yeah more than anything else and i think Mm -hmm. the only reason why i got through it was because i do have practice with meditating Mm -hmm. and i know about like the 10 15 minute breach you got to get through Mm -hmm. and same sort of thing with hallucinogenics if you just like get yourself to a neutral state Mm -hmm. then you can be absorbed into anything Mm -hmm. and there's like it's a it's a dumb old adage but there's nothing to fear but fear itself yeah not dumb. It's true. It's um, true. Because fear like, gets in our way more than anything. Mm-hmm. What I'm a big fan of is hypnosis. I love the um, audio guided hypnosis sessions uh, Are you suggestible? Online. I am, I'm pretty suggestible. That's interesting because like, yeah, like. <laughs> I'm good at letting go and suspending my disbelief and yeah. relaxing. Mm-hmm. Um, so meditation's good. My mind is very, I'm pretty neurotic. So I'm better at being guided. Yeah. Um, and I can yeah. follow that a lot easier. So much of this, I feel like, does have to do with breath mm-hmm. and like how much presence you have within yourself and the the environment, the noise that you are a part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something to think about, folks. Um, Thanks for listening. We're going to take a break and check our levels because we're not recording this again. (laughs) We're just going (laughs) to hope for the best. (laughs) Yeah, let's just keep going. Um, BRB, enjoy this weird thing I'm going to put here. Mmm, clean. I mean, really clean. And it holds any set I want. New beer-enriched shampoo, Body on Tap, gives your hair super body, super hold. Brewed with one-third real beer. Wow. But don't drink it. Just shampoo. Whether I roll it, pin it, curl it, or blow it dry, it gives my hair super body, super hold. It's the beer shampoo that does it in three bodybuilding formulas. That's body. On Tap. And we are back. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. 
And we, we've learned a lot in hello. the time, in these seconds. These we learned seconds. so much. It was like we downloaded stuff from the Matrix. Into our brains. Directly into our brains. So let's take this opportunity to switch and... Um, Talk about the great hero graphic designer, Von Oliver, who just passed. Um, rest in peace. And I had no idea he did so much work for for bands that have made like large cultural or in subcultural impacts, too. Exactly. I hadn't made those connections before today, you know, or before I learned about his passing yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really cool to learn um about someone who created a label's pretty much their identity and Tory band's identity. identity yeah an identity for like bands that became like the faces of of sounds of of, move- of like movements. movements yeah yeah, yeah. So I want to go over a little bit about Von Oliver if you are not familiar with him or you're vaguely familiar and this is your introduction um <clears throat> So just a little bit about him, basics, and then we'll talk about some interviews and uh, information that we just watched, which was really cool. We, we just watched a Von Oliver presentation, um, and I wish I had his presentation deck to download and share, but um, because I like the way he juxtaposed the imagery right. on those slides. Yeah. Did they exist that way? That's what I'm really curious about, especially them him talking about oil and specifically that one that was produced by that group out of LA. Right. I mean, but that's like, and that's further along. Like mm-hmm. he's been doing their work for so long. Yeah. I want to see mm. the through line or how they compare. So throughout. yeah. <clears throat> anyway, um, let's talk about his early life really quick. Uh, he, um, was born September 12th, 1957. Um, he just died December 29th, 2019. Um, he was British. He was based in Epsom. Is that where the salt is from? <laughs> Epsom Field. <laughs> South of London. Um, Oliver was best known for his work with um, the studio's 23 Envelope, which later he renamed V23. And that's what you'll see inside of... Um, some of the Cocteau Twins, I believe, album covers is the 23 envelope credit mm. for the design. Um, so then he uh, uh, worked for 4AD, of course, 4AD Records, and he designed the basically the entire identities for bands like Cocteau Twins, Dead Can Dance, The Breeders, This Mortal Coil, um, The Pixies, Throwing Muses. And then David Sylvian so of Japan, um, Golden Palominos, and Bush. Um, so wow. he studied graphic design at Newcastle upon Tyne Polytechnic, which I believe is where Barney Bubbles also went. I could be wrong, but I remember having trouble pronouncing that word during that episode as well. <laughs> um, or maybe it was Peter Seville. I don't know. I basically do a podcast about British men. Sorry. I mean, <laughs> fairly cultural uh, relevance, I guess. I mean, it's um, album design. They're really busy. British men get really busy. 
they just take over. Maybe that's a whole patriarchy They've thing. They've colonized graphic design, folks. Um, and if you look at They're my analytics, here. a lot of my listeners are from Britain. So thank you for listening. Um, from the UK. Um, so then uh, he, blah, blah, blah. He ran into, it says here, that he ran into Ivo Watts Russell, the owner of the 4AD label. And they started working together somehow. Um, So Hmm. we talked about how he worked with um, 23 Envelope consisted of Oliver, of course, the graphic designer and the photographer, Nigel Grierson. And that's kind of typical for any group. Like he mentioned hypnosis in his interview, which I'm going to do an episode on very soon with Kurt Block. Um, But similarly, hypnosis had two designers and a photographer, and I really, I think in the case of Von Oliver, I think a lot of the credit should go to the photographer. I mean, without those Largely. photos, I mean, he was art directing. Yeah. No, but... and, and he, and, and especially as like, like what he was saying, like with when you're making an iconic package mm-hmm. and the impact that makes when it's in your hands. Yes. But yeah, no, still, it does seem like a good, more of the portion or like what, he was getting accolades for should have definitely gotten it should be shared i feel and it's so weird that music photographers just don't get credit it's so bizarre like even the male photographers um and i was just noticing recently it was like some anniversary of london calling and i never saw one penny smith credit on any of the london calling like boomer posts Hmm. (laughs) sorry (laughs) Yeah. But come on. Like even if she had been a man, I don't I think it would have been the same. Um so I don't think it's about her gender. I think right. it's just a weird thing about music photography that it's almost like the band just sort of the the design and the photography just comes out of nowhere. And on like sort of just yeah, it just chances upon like knowing somebody who is who's just doing something that you feel like artistically works with what you're doing, especially like early on in your careers, like when you start making a collaboration like that. Right. So, so later he starts working with Simon Larbalester, Lestier, I don't know, Simon Larbalestier, yeah. Mark Adkins and others. Um, but I believe that Simon was the collaborator he worked with the most, like during the Pixies years and mm-hmm. where he got that really like almost like washed out, but saturated at the same time. Like, Beautiful decay, as you were saying, mm-hmm. aesthetic. Right, the objects that like are sort of cast aside, but mm-hmm. still have some interesting thing about them. Yes, there's some patina, the or he used the term. Uh, Simon would see a squished frog and see a symphony of colors, um, or a, or a worn that. out glove, and anyone else would just walk by it, whereas he would like give it this insane visual treatment that. You know. Hypertextural too. Yeah, yeah. Hypertextural. Um, so he did show for the first time in a gallery art space in 1990. Mm-hmm. But he also made a statement in one of the interviews we saw that where he proclaimed that I don't know if he was saying design is um, superior to fine art, but it kind of came across that I way. Mean, or and I mean. I think that's definitely part of his personality as well, but I can also understand where he's coming from in the sense where there's, there's a sort of 
stuck up stoicism in the gallery that you just don't get with other mediums that don't need that space Plus, that he, are still impactful right and, he, and deeply meaningful yeah he also i mean the space it's all about commerce though you know right. i mean but the space the gallery space he was saying is where art collects dust whereas an album cover he was talking about the uh, power of repetition and it's like the ultimate i don't know pop art experience having mm-hmm. it be in thousands of homes rather than one gallery wall right um which is like why people go into graphic design. It's like you want your your ego wants <laughs> to to replicate, <laughs> yes. to have a recursive effect. But he's still very much an artist, so I do have to say his treatment of typography is where an artist would fail and he succeeded immensely. I mean, he wasn't just he was very much a designer. Um, the Cocteau twins, think about how much those album covers shaped the way you felt about the music, yeah. the way you heard the music, right. what you saw in your mind when you thought of the band, like what kind that, of images the Cocteau twin, the, the font, the, the careful placement, the, the, the scale of it on the record cover, mm-hmm. all of that was so well thought out. And I just, I, I don't know. I can't even say enough great things about his, talent and his eye for um matching a sound with a with an aesthetic mm-hmm. um so yeah. something else what else was he talking about of course the pixies another great example although even though it didn't match the music exactly like if you think about do little do you think that that matched i guess that that's subjective Yeah, especially. I think maybe the art came first and made you feel like this art is so great and the album looks so good that you kind of give the band, I don't know, you kind of give them more leeway when you're listening. (laughs) Well, and and maybe they can get more clout, like just from evocative imagery Mm -hmm. or not. But Mm -hmm. yeah, wasn't it like, I think it was Zappa who said who didn't, or he didn't like the idea of music videos Ooh. or something. I don't know. I hope, I'm not making that up. Mm-hmm. I, I I thought that was like something that he started was getting at was interesting. Like, like adding the visual element change. Like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. changes it in a way that doesn't like benefit the way that he mm-hmm. had a relationship with music. And I can get that. Like if, I mean, just actually thinking about specifically the text, like how, I liked like how a lot of it, like what we were saying was made in camera where it was cut out of the paper mm-hmm. or it was made out of objects, like found objects. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't help but think like you will rarely see any type face like on my album covers. Mm-hmm. They're usually purely design because mm-hmm. I can never usually find a font that captures the right feeling well that's i think that's why he created you know like the pixies out of glue and out of stitching and out Mm -hmm. of nails nailed into a board because i mean and i don't know which came first but it seems to me like steven sagmeister may may have been uh influenced influenced by Mm -hmm. him um because this is the type of uh, environmental typography like photographs of created type 
um, right. that I think becomes more than typography, obviously, <laughs> at that point. Um, and a hell of a lot more interesting than just vectors. Um, hi, he's taking a picture of me right now. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> um, so some other things that he talked about was um, he talked about inspiration in this interview we saw. And he was saying that what inspires him the most, and he has to work with music that he loves, Um he says that the quality, he says, quality packages for quality music. <laughs> that almost became Australian. Sorry. <laughs> um, but he was talking about the Pixies box set where I guess he was referring to Frank Black. He could have gone to any designer and they could have compiled mm-hmm. um, Von Oliver's stuff. But they went to Von Oliver to put it all together the right way. And he said he was really touched by that. And that, um, and I'll put the link up to this interview because I'll I'll put all the links up that we're referencing um, in the show notes. He says that in order for it to be a band that he wants to work with or music that's inspiring, it has it has to be something that changes my internal chemistry, something that changes my mind, it changes my mood, um, and that the album design should always reflect the music inside. Which is interesting because in the other interview that we watched from 1990, he was actually saying he was worried that creating such a visual identity for 4AD was limiting and that perhaps it didn't fit all the bands or, yeah, you know. Which um, makes sense. I mean, especially if so many, so many artists then are having like a similar feeling mm-hmm. between their artwork and... Yeah, like maybe that's too much homogenization. Maybe, but, but I think that's the struggle with graphic design and right. any client, uh, whether it be musical or not, in that are you lending your like signature to their work, whether mm-hmm. it matches or not? Or like Robert Beatty, I've seen his work on, you know, people want his work. Yeah. Does it reflect the music? Not always. Is it badass? Yeah. But... but like, um, and and there is the notion of of then like at least within so much of that imagery and mm-hmm. because there's such a like a large cache of of photography that has different feelings between the different objects mm-hmm. from image to image like that at least can create a variance where there does then become an independent feel yes. given to an album because that it's it's cover. That's the iconic image that will burn into your memory because you looked at that image so many times. Right. But then like there is the notion though where like one of my favorite artists, H.R. Mm-hmm. Giger, you mm-hmm. recognize him anywhere. So right. there's this notion where I know I think of that first before mm-hmm. the music. And that right. And that imprints and that colors my impression of the music well before I mm-hmm. even will give it a different thought because of how the music sounds. Like, uh, I also, to be honest, didn't know who Von Oliver was. Yeah, he's an obscure. But, and I do know some of those name. covers. Yeah. yeah. For sure. That's the thing but... about graphic design is that it's everywhere and you know it, you know, but you don't know it. Um, right. So. And that's why I have this podcast, (laughs) one episode (laughs) at a time. Another thing he said that I loved um, was 
he wanted to create a third entity that's stronger than its individual parts. So in other words, the music and the art um, kind of create a third thing. A, a new relationship. Yeah, a new, yeah. a new entity. A new entity, for Just sure. like love. Or any relationship. Between two people, it's a third thing. Huh. Um, <laughs> um, okay. Love and, and death, I, folks, in 2019. Love and death. <laughs> uh, and then he was also talking about the photography curation. Mm. Uh, we kind of went over this before, but that he trusted Simon so much. I thought that was really sweet that, or he kind of gave himself credit. He found the right person enough. He found someone he could trust. That would translate. That would the ideas he of the knew music through exactly. Yeah. He knew exactly what he was doing. They were completely aligned, and um, I think that's where the magic came from. Was not only Von Oliver, but also Simon and the music, um, and that he he called his design a graphic graphic responses to Simon's photography. So he did really mm. give him credit. Mm-hmm. He did talk about him. He did reference the photography quite a bit, which I liked. Um, good job, Vaughn. Good job. And there's That's a lot great. more to, to learn about Vaughn Oliver online. I'm going to post um, a bunch of his of my favorite um, album covers of his on the Design Freaks podcast Instagram. So check that out. There will be probably a couple posts to go along with this episode, um, kind of uh, showcasing the uh, some of the things we've talked about and probably we didn't even get into dead can dance um, this mortal coil but so all mm-hmm. of it's out there um, it's gorgeous and I don't know um, is there anything else you want to say about Mr. Ol- Oliver? Um, he was he had an, a great eye for design and and how that translates and speaks with and through music. I agree. Amen. <laughs> Good job, Vaughn. And and going going from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty, um I don't want to talk about stupid resolutions because it's dumb, but is there and we've already talked about I guess my new year is is really my birthday. I don't really see <clears throat> New Year's Eve as like a really significant time, but um the fact that we do write down a different year, <laughs> um, do you think that it will affect um, how you move forward? Are you going to try to do, I don't know, are you making goals? What are you doing? Uh, funny enough, it is rather an excuse and also is something that is imbued by others mm-hmm. as to making changes. Yes. And if you look at it as simply as that, I mean, not, but that's, and I mean, that's what's so hilarious to me otherwise is like, especially our conversations earlier having to do with time and, mm-hmm. and that there's not really much of a span between it. So, and I'd like to think that I am enacting the changes that I've always wanted to be making mm-hmm. in certain contexts. So if anything, I do take the opportunity to reinforce that. So... I do have plans and whether they have to do with it being because of a new year, I will, uh, and those are secret plans. They're secret, <laughs> <laughs> but they have to do with music and art as well. Yeah, mine too. So. I, I want to do more design. I want to mm. do more. Um, even if it's not freelance, I just want to do more design. Mm-hmm. I want to stop 
sitting around on my off time and mm. not seeing it as off time and just really knowing how good it feels to be productive and um, taking advantage of time away from from the work that I do to get paid, which mm-hmm. is also fun. I right. like my job. Um, but, but making time for the mediums that that make, are just a part of expressing. Yeah, expressing. Yeah. More digital art maybe is what... Mm-hmm what i mean and maybe maybe some fun design projects i've um, had so many friends who got ipads this holiday season yes procreate's fun it's very fun i yeah. mean that's how i've been making all of my pieces mm-hmm. that yep. i'm gonna be printing yep you can even make fun little gifts and all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. it's um it's a pretty robust tool for an ipad um it's getting it's making photoshop like run for its money like. well it's just the learning curve is so much easier mm-hmm. and especially if you have a pencil yeah but but there's the like if for a professional designer it's annoying because there there are so many things you can't do it's just not it doesn't do everything i need every time plus i'm just but used there are to... vector apps as well yes that are oh, equally true. as good true um i think i'm just talking more about like the functionality of the adobe product that oh adobe yeah yeah no oh yeah for sure yeah no procreate is fantastic in that regard um another thing i want to do is um we're not sponsored by procreate either so please <laughs> procreate. send us please go send us get both it a couple of ipad pros because <laughs> i need a new one that has more than 32 the three guys in the uk will get right on that that are listening <laughs> thanks guys we love you also honestly. i've been um promoting the podcast through dating apps so my audience is skewed so male right now <laughs> so if you are a woman listening or or if you're a femme person listening god bless you and thank you thank you you make the you make it all work and we see you and we love you um what else do we want to happen in 2020 do we um, want to more uh, i guess actually death and rebirth Death and rebirth. and Because you can't have rebirth without giving some things up. Um, I also want to uh, make better choices. You got to be careful with yourself. Um, and Give yourself some boundaries. Give, yeah. Boundaries, I definitely think, Don't is one idiot. of the words <laughs> of maybe just like the last few years, but I think definitely this year. I heard mm-hmm. people talking a lot about boundaries and... And making space like it's for good. yourself. And, it's good. Yeah. And also, maybe people are not evil, you know? Maybe. Maybe. Well, may, maybe. <laughs> Give <them> a chance. <laughs> maybe um, we should just, like, I would, like, let's bring it full circle, learn how to let go of things and mm-hmm. not cling to, oh, this person sucks or that. Who yeah. cares? Right. Especially Just if it has forward. nothing to do with your personage. Like, and, and, or yeah. and especially in shallow and materialistic ways. Like, mm-hmm. ways that are of this earth and social dynamics that, like, do you really actually care about that at the end of the day? Or, like, how much are you going to let that bother you? Right. Letting go is the most powerful thing. Maybe meditating more. Meditating. Yeah. But th- that is a meditation. <laughs> and creating is a meditation. Every creating. time I'm drumming, mm-hmm. like it's a it's a through state or like and or what um like in um 
in German, uh, Gonsfeld. Ooh. It's like the Allstate. That's the 2020 energy I want is Gonsfeld. Gonsfeld. That's what we want Harnessing to go into. Harnessing that, that Gonsfeld energy. Let's harness that Gonsfeld, you guys, for 2020. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. Check out designfreakspodcast.com. All the things are there. And um, do it. Thank you so much, Vox Mod. Oh, thank you where do people find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at VOXMOD and VOXMOD.com. And you can find my music on Spotify and all those channels. Ooh, awesome. Um, okay. Uh, love and joy. And thanks, everyone. Hare Krishna. Hail Satan. Love you. Bye. Oh, wow, what a treat.